0: a home to call your own an investment property two simple ways to provide amazing financial and emotional security for you and your family it's often one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever have to make hello I'm Christina and welcome to the school of home ownership I love being part of a standard family but I'm also a multi-property investor, having bought and sold over 50 properties in the last 25 years. During that time, I learned how to make my investments accelerate and how to avoid costly mistakes. Now I know how to reap the benefits of good property decisions. Allow me to take you on a journey that mines the golden nuggets of finance and property insights. Learn the ropes here Within the walls of the School of Home Ownership. Hi, my name is Christina Jamison and welcome to the School of Home Ownership. Today I have Catherine Fantov with me today, who is a vendor's advocate or a seller's advocate. Thank you and
1: welcome. Thank you, thanks for having me. And if you could just tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, okay. So I'm a vendor advocate, basically what that is, it's a, um, I act as a buffer between the seller and the real estate agent. So um, I'm an ex real estate agent myself. Um, I've had over 30 years experience in the industry. So I know the ins and outs of the industry, especially when it comes to selling your home and dealing with real estate agents. Um, So it's a three step process. The first stage is helping them prepare the property for sale. Uh, So that could be giving them just advice on decluttering, um, maybe moving out a few different pieces of furniture. Um, It could be um, repairs and maintenance, organising tradespeople to come in, maybe do some painting, uh, recarpeting, anything like that that needs to be done. And also property styling. We have a a stylist that comes in. And as you know, um, property styling makes a huge difference to the overall outcome. So that's the first part of the process. The second, second part is choosing the real estate agent. So we, um, I actually interview three local real estate agents on behalf of the vendor um, and help them make the decision on which agent is going to be best suited to sell the property. Um, and once we've chosen the agent, then the agent deals directly with myself. Um, it just keeps um, the whole process a lot more transparent, um, keeps the agent honest, and it protects the vendor from any, sales tactics that the agent might try to you know, employ um, like pressuring them to sell the property for a lower price than they originally thought they were going to get, that type of thing. So I'm basically like a buffer between the seller and the agent. And um, we were talking about this before. I have an
0: example where uh, we were talking about different types of people that would be vulnerable such as, what were your three Ds again? The... Um, downsizers. Um, divorce and deceased estates and so how do how how do you get paid what's the process for that side
1: so um, having me involved actually doesn't cost the client anything extra Um, and the reason for that is that the agent that we appoint uh, pays me a portion of their fee so it's kind of like a conjunction arrangement between myself and the agent uh, because collectively we're actually working together get the best result for the client so we share in the one fee so the client's not actually paying any more than they would normally pay without my help in fact um, in a lot of cases they would be paying less a fee because the fee that I negotiate on their behalf um, is much lower and the reason for that is because the agent sees me as a source of ongoing future work so they're happy like repeat business so they're happy to, um, to negotiate.
0: And what were you saying, that listing is the, the first priority? Yeah, so or... the,
1: cause the first priority of an agent is to list properties to sell. I mean, obviously, if they don't have the stock, they can't sell. Selling is secondary, so any opportunity to um, list a property um, and anyone that's been looking at real estate would know that when you go to an open home, the agent calls you back to see what you thought of the house. One of the things that they ask you um, is do you have anything to sell? Do you need to sell before you buy? So uh, every opportunity that an agent can get to get a listing, they will. Um, which is human, you know, it's, it's part of their, it's how they get paid, so it's, it's, it's to be expected. Um, but um, when working with someone like myself who is handing them a property on a silver platter that's fully presented, looks immaculate, ready to go, and then knowing within you know three or four days, they'll have a listing because that's usually the turnover time. So by the time I interview the agent to when we appoint is usually about three or four days. I'm an ex real estate agent. I've still got my real estate license, obviously. But um, the reason I started this business was because I could see even after starting a family and taking some time out and then coming back into the industry, that a lot of things hadn't actually changed because when I first started in real estate it was in the 90s um, in Bondi Beach and back then um, there was really not, it wasn't very regulated at all so our boss used to tell us to bring along as many friends as we could to the auction to push the price up. The auctioneer would pull a bit off the pot plant at the back of the room. It was just a big show and, um, and it was something that and just seeing the looks on the buyers faces because my job as the agent and I don't I don't feel um, good about having to say this but our job as the agent was to get as many people to come along so if we had to mislead them into thinking that they could afford the property to get them there to help push the price up then that's what we had to do so this was I'm talking back in the 90s um, and then just seeing the looks on the buyers faces when they missed out Full well knowing that you know they probably couldn't have afforded it anyway, just um, got to my my conscience in the end, and that's why I went out of residential and went into commercial property. So another question I'd like to
0: ask you is about divorce. Um, so was it downsized divorce and uh, deceased estates? Deceased estate. So that would come into. So we're talking about other people in there. So you do you help to sort of neutralise. The whole scenario so there'd be a lot of tension I guess with divorce um, and there'd be a lot of tension well they could be depending on siblings and stuff with deceased estate so how does how do you
1: help that situation mm. so where there's multiple parties that um, are not always on the best of terms um, uh, I act as a I guess as a mediator so the way I communicate the whole idea is to get as, all of them on the same page Without them necessarily knowing that they're agreeing with each other, especially in a divorce because the husband and the wife, they don't normally want to agree with each other and <laughs> about anything, about yes. anything, correct. So um, so I will deal separately with each of them um, and the way I approach it in a way is that I just want them to agree with myself on, on a, let's say, the reserve price is a big one, um, so I'll get the husband, let's say, to agree, okay, well, this is what I'm suggesting that you we set the reserve if he agrees on that, um, and then I get the wife to agree with me, not saying that the husband's already agreed, um, that type of thing, and if she agrees, then I know that we're all in agreement, and then that's all all happy. So yeah, so just go through
0: the other three D, the other two Ds left. So we've got deceased estate, so talk
1: about that. Deceased estates, um, so as a, as an example, yep. so I've had a situation where there were four siblings. Um, two of them basically weren't talking to the other two and there was a real lack of trust among them all. Uh, so it was actually quite a difficult one, probably one of the most difficult ones I've had. They didn't, but only two of them were really talking to each other. So... I had to get one of them to try and um, be, I suppose, the voice that was t- sort of on um, good terms with all four. And basically, what he did was he set up a, an account, a bank account, and they basically just put some funds into that. They agreed how much they would put in, and um, so. And one of the, the um, one of the brothers was a tradesman, and so he came and did quite a lot of the renovations to the property. And, um, and then we got the styling in, we made it look fantastic, and um, getting them to agree on the figure was probably the hardest one, because some of them have, uh, I guess, over-inflated expectations of what they thought the Sydney market was doing at the time, because they weren't in in actual, um, in New South Wales. So um, we eventually got everybody on board, we got them to all sign off to agree on a figure, and um, just a way to manage that, so that if there was one particular party that was, I guess, causing a little bit of difficulty, then I would just pick up the phone and I would call them and I would just talk directly. And I found that once you speak to them and you keep up that communication um, and that building of trust, it took them a long time to trust me. Um, But eventually when they realise that I'm not here to try and rip them off or that I'm here acting on behalf of their other sibling or whatever it might be, then they understood, okay, well, this person's actually trying to help us to get the best possible outcome, and that's basically what happened. And would
0: downsizing be similar? Well, I suppose they're still alive, but I guess, down, yeah, just talk about downsizing.
1: So with downsizing, um, there's I guess there's two different types. I do a fair bit of downsizing for elderly parents that have already moved into aged care. Um, so the the children would approach me. Um, they'll say, oh, look, mum's already into aged care, but we need to sell the home. What do we need to do to the property? Um, can you help us get it ready? That type of thing. And oftentimes they're not sort of living close by to the property either. So it's good to have somebody on the ground who's there looking after their best interests. Um, if there's people coming in to do some work, then I'm um, basically they're making sure that it's all being done properly um, and get the property sold, and then they can, I guess, move on and pay for their aged care for their mum mom or dad. It's very overwhelming for them, and they don't know where to start, uh, so um, that's where having someone like me, and they don't want to be a burden on their children either. They don't want to be having to bother their children because their children have their own lives, their own families, they're busy with work, that type of thing, so having someone who's independent but sort of helping them, and it's not actually costing them anything extra, uh, which is... You know, it's an absolute bonus. It's, it's kind of like, why wouldn't you go ahead with a service like this um, to basically help them through the journey so that they can then move into something that's smaller, that suits them better, um, that's not so hard to maintain, um, whether it's a retirement village or whatever it may be.
0: Great. So that sounds like it just makes makes the selling so much more easier and more convenient and less stressful, If so that's what you want. So if um, we wanna find out more about you and get your services, how do we go about it?
1: Uh, Yes, so um, Innovative Property Advocates is the business name. Um, You can see us online, innovativeproperty.com.au or you can reach out to me directly, um, Catherine Fantold, 0411 522233.
0: Great, thank you. And you can see some more information at schoolofhomeownership.com.au where you can get more resources and helpful hints for you. Thanks.